Right now, I just need you to get real loose. Get comfortable. Grab your loved ones. Or grab your love partner. And if you're by yourself, no worries. Just follow after me. Yeah. Don't wanna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Don't throw down. Take a sip with it and lean back with your hips in it. Let's have some fun. Uh, to the left, to the left now. To the right, to the right. Now take your left hand and put it on your side. Gonna roll your shoulders. Do the slip and slide. This next part's my favorite part. Uh, Cause it's time to shine. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Gonna throw down. Slide to the left, slide to the right. Now cool down. Have a good time. Slide to the left, slide to the right. Do the butterfly. Have a good time around, round, round around. You go. It's time to show out right now and take to the floor. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now. Take it, take it down now. Bring it up now. Bring it, bring it up now. Bring it up now. Bring it, bring it up now. Take it down and crisscross. Bring it up now, crisscross. Do whatever you like right here. Just have fun. Gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie. Grab a sweetheart and spin out with him. Do the hold down and get into it. Take it to the left now and dip with it. Don't throw down. Take a sip. so bad that was that, that was not so bad was it that was not so bad that 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 was not so bad was it that was not so bad that was that that was not so bad was it that was not so bad that was not so bad was it gonna do the two step and cowboy boogie grab a sweetheart and spin out with him do the hold down and get into it take it to the left now and don't throw down, take a sip with it Now lean back, put your hips in it Oh wow, wow Welcome to Pinion Hills Community Church <laughs> Oh come on, give us a round of applause <laughs> If, 
If you are visiting with us for the first time, I promise we're not a bunch of freaks at, at this church. We just like to have fun. In fact, the whole reason we were doing that dance is just to promote our fall festival coming up. But not every, everybody got that message because uh, some of my friends out in California, they just saw the video that was posted. Did anybody see the video that we posted a couple weeks ago? Yeah, so they saw the video. One of, one of my buddies named Joe, he sent me a video in response, which I think is how he views our staff and our, our community here in Farmington. Here's the video he sent. Check this out. say, if I knew those people in that video, I would invite them to come here and do that dance, you know, their little jitterbug or water, water dance or whatever it is. I would invite them to come up on stage and do that dance because we would pretty much do anything to get the word out about our fall festival. Have we told you about our fall festival yet? It's coming up this Saturday at 10 to 4 p.m. In fact, on your chairs, you got a little invite card. There's two little invite cards. Hold that invite card up in the air so I know you got one. Hold it up in the air like you just don't care. There you, there you go. Good. So this invite card is intended for you to invite some that's what's called an invite card. Invite somebody to come to the fall festival with you. Now, when they turn that in, in exchange, they get a wristband that they're, they're able to, to ride all the rides, do all the activities and everything. That wristband's worth $10, but also on the wristband, it says on their instructions for how to win a $250 shopping spree, and, and you can get entered in to win that by, by simply showing up this coming uh, Saturday. So, that being said, get the word out, invite people. The whole reason we're willing to do dances, the whole reason we're willing to make music videos, the whole reason we're willing to do even things like at the end of the service, don't leave because we're dunking Pastor Vaughn on stage as well as one other staff member. The whole reason we're doing all that, yeah, the whole student ministry's in here supporting Pastor Vaughn getting dunked. The whole reason we're doing that is to get the word out about our fall festival. Now, the whole reason we're doing the fall festival is because we want people in our community to feel like they belong. This can be their community, this can be their church, we can be their people. We want people to realize this is a place that they belong. So we're going to continue on this morning in our series called You Belong. If you happen to have your Bibles, take out your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And as you turn there, turn to your neighbor as well and say, you still belong. Say it a little bit louder like you actually mean it this time. Say, you still belong. That's good. And now as you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, let me tell you a story. I, I heard this story over the last couple of weeks about a little girl named Ryan Neighbors. Now, Ryan is a little 10-year-old girl. She lives in Kentucky, uh, but she has spina bifida. And that means that she's paralyzed from the waist down. She has to go everywhere in a wheelchair. In fact, I have a picture of her. Here's Ryan in her wheelchair. Look at those cute ears that she's wearing. This is her smile. You could just see that she has joy in her life. Well, a couple weeks ago, her school in Kentucky, they were going to go on a field trip to a waterfall in the state of Ohio. So she wanted to go. Problem is, when you go to a waterfall, you know, you can't really take a wheelchair there. There's a lot of hiking. There's a lot of rocks. And so she was su uh, super bummed that she couldn't go and join her classmates uh, on this trip. Well, one of the teachers, Jim Freeman, at the school, one of the teachers, is not even her teacher, found out that she wanted to go, but she couldn't because she was in a wheelchair. So Jim called Ryan's mom and said, hey, would you be okay if I gave her a piggyback ride the entire field trip? So the mom asked Ryan, said, hey, would you want to do this? Would you want to go on the field trip? Like if a teacher gave you a piggyback ride and like maybe a backpack kind of thing? And Ryan was elated. 
She was like, that would be amazing. She was ecstatic about it. So, so she did that. Check out some of these pictures of Ryan going with her teacher in the backpack. There's, there's another photo of them going down to the waterfalls. This story has gone viral. It's been on Good Morning America. It just came out in People magazine. It's all over the place. Now, why do people resonate with a story like that? They resonate with a story like that because people love the idea of belonging. That's the whole purpose of this series, to help people understand that they belong. If we go back two weeks ago, when we started this series, it was kind of this overview message, a 30,000-foot view of Scripture, the entire Bible, from beginning to end. In fact, if you're new to the faith, if you're new to the Bible, you're new to church in general, I would encourage you to go back and watch that sermon on September 29th, because it's all about this overview of all of history. But the whole point of when we're talking about that, starting in the beginning, is to help us understand we're a part of that story. You know, when we read scripture, when we go back and read the book of Genesis in chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the plants and the animals. He created the stars. He created the oceans. He created the mountains. And then he created mankind in his own image. And he said, of all of my creation, this is very good. This is the pinnacle, the masterpiece of my creation, mankind. And he doesn't stop with Adam and Eve. He keeps making more people. And we read about some of those people that, that are kind of these pillars of faith in, in, uh, in, the, in scripture, in the Bible. We read stories of people like Moses and Noah and Abraham, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, all these characters, all these people who are, who are the greats of Scripture. And then in that lineage comes Jesus Christ himself. And once Jesus grows up and he starts teaching people, he says something that's kind of crazy. He says this, and John quotes him saying it, John chapter 14. Here's what Jesus says. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you belong. You belong in the greatest party of all time, in heaven. You, you belong in the, in the big house. You know, there's a song, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. It's a big, big table with lots and lots of food. It's a big, big yard where we can play, hey, you know the song. <laughs> it's a big, big house. It's my father's house. Jesus is saying, you have a room. In the beginning, God created everything in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. And then on day eight, he began preparing a place for you and I in eternity in heaven. You belong in heaven. You belong in the big picture, in history. That's why Paul said this to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 2.6. If you're already there, look at Ephesians 2.6. Paul said this, he said, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In heaven, we get to be with Jesus. In heaven, not only do we get to be with Jesus, but we get to be with all these people who are in our, our, our spiritual family tree, so to speak. How crazy to think that when you're in heaven, you could be next door neighbors to Adam or to Eve. That you could be next door neighbors to Moses or Abraham or one of these characters that we see, one of these people we see throughout scripture. How crazy to think that we're going to be in the same place at the same time. That's the whole point of what we talked about two weeks ago. You belong in God's story. God's story is not just scripture. It's not just the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're a part of the story that's continuing to be written. You have a role that God has selected you. He's crafted you. He's picked you to be in a, part, a part of that story. What an opportunity. What a privilege. And friends, that's why we're such, a, we're such advocates. That's why we push so much this whole concept of one church. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with one church, but about a year ago, we were getting ready to go into Thanksgiving. And I was thinking, man, what, what would it be like if we came together in one place at one time and had a, a night of worship to, to, to give thanks as we celebrate Thanksgiving? 
What would it be like if we invited other pastors, other congregations? What if, what if we just said, hey, you know what? It's not about Pinion Hills. It's not about just this congregation. What if we invited other people to come in and join us? And so we threw out the invitation about a year ago, not knowing if anybody would come. I don't know if you were here or not. I don't know if you've heard about it. But we had 12 churches show up at the same place at the same time as one voice, one body, and one church to sing to our one God. How awesome was that? Yeah. In this room, we had 997 people, just shy of our fire code. I'm glad the fire marshal wasn't there that day because he might have written me a ticket or something. We were, we were packed out, standing room only. But after our night of worship last November, some people were like, hey, Matt, are we going to ever do that again? We're ever going to have like another one church? And I was like, well, why not? Why not invite churches to come and, and worship together and sing together and, and learn about God together? Why not show unity to our community? Why not do that? So perhaps you remember back in July, we had Connie Mack's One Church. And on the opening day of Connie Mack, we went over to Ricketts Park and we were like, hey, all 120 Christian church churches throughout San Juan County, if any of you want to show up, you're welcome to. We had 14 churches close their doors on a Sunday morning. You don't close your doors on a Sunday morning, even if it's snowing outside. Well, it's Farmington. Maybe you do. <laughs> Fourteen churches closed their doors on a Sunday morning to come together in one stadium, one ballpark at the same time to, to sing songs to our one God. It was amazing. In our night of worship, we had 997 people. We had over double that at Connie Mac. We had well over 2,000 people that showed up at the same place at the same time. So since then, yeah, it's awesome. Since then, many more people are like, well, Matt, are we going to do it again? And so we've been processing, should we, could we do it again? And the answer, in case you've been curious about the, and the answer to that question, are we going to do it again, is yeah. heck yeah. <laughs> For sure we are. In fact, one month from now, on Sunday, November 10th, mark your calendars now, Sunday, November 10th, we're having our second annual One Church Night of Worship. I don't think we can fit everybody in this room anymore because the fire marshal will for sure shut us down. And so we have secured McGee Park because there's a convention center there and we're hoping thousands of people show up. And I'm hoping you put it on your calendar. Put it on your calendar right now, Sunday, November 10th at 6 p.m. Doors open at 5.30. And here's part of what I'm excited about. Not just that perhaps thousands of people will show up and many other churches will be there, but we're making announcements in that service about what God has for, for us in the future and, and as far as one church and how we're going to be collaborating in 2020 and beyond. We're making some announcements that are really exciting, and I can't tell you about them yet because we're going to announce it and reveal it during that service. I'm just telling you, you've got to be there. It's going to be awesome. Now, Why? Why do we do stuff like that? Why do we do stuff like One Church where we're collaborating with other churches and collaborating with other leaders and other pastors? Why do we do that? Because it all goes back to what I was talking about two weeks ago. We're all a part of the same epic story, God's story. And it doesn't matter if you go to this church or Sagebrush or Oasis or Timberline or Copper Ridge or any other churches in town. If we're a part of the same, same story, why not be more inclusive of people? Why not love people and, and have unity among other Christians in our town and our community? That's what we're all about. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. You belong in his story. Every one of us has a role. And to think that God has picked you, designed you, cast you in his epic story, the greatest story of all time, what a privilege. What a blessing. That's what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Darren got up, and he, he gave the message, and, and the title of his message was, You Belong in God's Heart. You Belong in His Heart. You Belong in His Love. Because quite frankly, you do. We all do. Now, here's the irony. Oftentimes, the people that screw that up, people that, that don't send that message out, is that you, you belong in God's love, the people that mess that message up is oftentimes Christians. 
Because sometimes new people come to a church, they come to a congregation like ours, and perhaps you know that guy, you know that girl from, from work, and you know their story, you know their history, you know their background, you know what they've done, you know their baggage, you know their sins, you know what they did last summer, you, you, know, you know who they are. And oftentimes it's the Christians that are like, oh, I know who you are, you don't belong here. And that's, that's not the case. Because every one of us belongs here. Not only do we belong in a church, we belong in God's heart, in his love. It's because it's not based on what we've done. We don't qualify based on our actions, based on how good we are. We don't qualify for God's love. But God doesn't love us because of what we do. God loves us because who we are. He loves us because he has created us. We are his creation. We are his masterpiece. He loves his created masterpiece. Not because of how good or bad you are, but because he's created you. You don't, there's no way you can lose God's love no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what what your, your background is. You can't lose God's love. Look at what Paul says to the church of Rome. Romans 8, 38 and 39. He says this. He says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation. Let me stop there. Insert your worst sin you've ever made. There's nothing, including the worst things you've ever done. I'll continue on. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing you've ever done, nothing you ever will do will be able to separate you from God's love. God doesn't love you with a contingency. He doesn't love you with an asterisk on that love. He doesn't love you saying, well, only if you do the right things or if you go to church the the right number of weeks throughout the year or if you pray enough times before your dinner meal. He doesn't say, I'll love you if. He just loves you, period. Because God's created you. He's designed you. There's nothing in all of creation, including your actions, including your decisions, including your sins, that will be able to separate you from God. So that's what we talked about last week. Let me, let me mention this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, that talks about this as well. Paul says to the church of Ephesus, he said, it is for grace you have been saved through faith. And it is not of yourselves. It's not based on your actions or your decisions. It's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that nobody can boast. Friends, you belong in God's heart, not based on what you do to qualify for it. Because quite frankly, you'll never qualify. You belong in God's heart because he loves you, he's created you, and he's designed you. So two weeks ago, the sermon title was you belong in his creation, you belong in his story. Last week's sermon title, you belong in, in his heart, you belong in his love. Today's sermon title is this, you belong in God's hands. You belong in his hands. Now, today's sermon title kind of reminds me of that kid's song that perhaps you remember. He's got the whole world. That was weak. Oh, come on. (laughs) You could do better than that. You have one line, and it consists of three words. In his hands. How how hard can this be? Let's try it one more time. I'll give you a practice. I'm going to count to three. You say your one line of three words. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Still weak. Over here, good job. Gold star for you. All of you, not so much. Let's try one more time. One, two, three. Much better. Let's try it. He's got the whole world. 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 world. Yeah, give yourselves a round of applause. That was much better. Much better. (laughs) 
Good. Now, today's sermon's title makes me think of that. You belong in his hands. It reminds me of that song that we just sang and growing up. You know what else, what else it reminds me of? It reminds me of the, the movie that came out in 1990 with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze, that movie called Ghost. You remember that movie? You remember that famous scene where she's like making a pot and he's like creepily around her trying to make the pot? Yeah, I have a picture of what I'm talking about. That, you remember that? Raise your hand if you remember that scene from the movie Ghost, yeah? Of course you do. It's one of the most iconic movie scenes in the history of all movies. You remember that. But, but even though that's what I think about when, when I think about the sermon title of You Belong in His Hands, I think about that, that kind of creepy scene. That's not what I'm referring to. <laughs> what I am referring to is a verse in Ephesians. And again, if you're turned there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what I'm referring to when I mean that you belong in God's hands. Here's what it says. It says, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, here's what I love about this verse. This one verse contains the past, the present, and the future all in one verse. So let's break this verse down because I, I think there's some, some significance to this verse that I don't want us to miss. So let's look at the past first before we look at the present and the future. Look at the past. Ephesians 2.10, again, the same verse. We are God's handiwork. And there's two words that I've highlighted in there, created and prepared. God has created you exactly the way he wants you. When you look in the mirror and you're dissatisfied, when you, when you look at yourself and you're like, man, God screwed up. No, he didn't. That's an insult to God. God's made you exactly the way he wants you. He has created you. Scripture says he's knit you together in your mother's womb. That is not by accident. He has designed you the way he wants you. He's also prepared you. Now, what's he prepared you for? You have everything you need to live a godly life. He's prepared you for a purpose. He's made you as a masterpiece to bring glory to himself and have a relationship with you. You can bring glory to God, the creator of all things. You and your life can bring glory. He's created you for a purpose and he's prepared you for a reason. So that's, even though that's exciting, that's past tense. He's already done it. He's created you and he's prepared you. So that's what we see in this verse, but let, that's past, past tense. Let's look at present tense. Ephesians 2.10, again, same verse. Let's look at a different word and focus on a different word. We are God's handiwork. That's today, friends. He's created us and prepared us in the past, but today we are. That's present tense. That is right now. You are God's handiwork. Now, if you look at the original language, the Greek language in which this was written, handiwork, the word for that is poema. Everybody say poema. poema. You kind of sound like that Lion King song, the weemawapawemawap. But that's not, that's not the word, poema. Poema is where we get the word poet or poem or poetry. When a poet writes a poema, when a poet writes a poem, that poet is, is specifically choosing every stanza, every phrase, every word is carefully selected. God has created you as a poema, a masterpiece, a handiwork. You are his creation. But again, it's present tense. He's created you and prepared you. But because it's present tense, he's continuing to work on you. You're a work in progress. I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a compliment. God's continuing. He loves you so much. He's going to continue to work on you. Let's look at Philippians 2.13. It says this. For it is God who works in you to, to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Notice it says it is God who, who works in you. It doesn't say it was God who worked on you or God will work on you. It is. That's present tense. He's working on you now. Look at Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on 
on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to continue to work on you. He's going to continue to invest in you, continue to tweak you, refine you, perfect you until the day you are completed. The day you're completed is the day you meet Jesus. And perhaps Jesus comes back and he meets us before we go to meet him. Or perhaps you kick the bucket or whatever and you go meet him first. I don't know which one's going to come first and I don't know which day either one's going to happen. I don't want Jesus to come coming back or I don't know when you're going to meet your maker. But either way, when you meet Jesus, then you're completed through Christ Jesus. But until that day, God's going to continue working on you. And here's what I love about God. God doesn't start stuff. He doesn't finish. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. God doesn't start things that he doesn't finish. Yeah, you're clapping. Perhaps you, you know we're all a work in progress. We all know we need God to keep working on us. And again, I don't mean that as an insult. I mean that as a compliment. The, the designer of life the designer of, of, of the universe, the, the same God who put the stars and the moon and the sun in the sky wants to keep working on you, that you're the poema, you're the masterpiece of the master designer, the master poet, the master artist. What a privilege that he's working on you, that he wants to work on you. So here's the question that I have for you. Are you willing to allow God to keep working on you? Are you willing God doesn't start stuff. He doesn't finish. But sometimes we resist and we're like, nah, God, I'm good. I don't need you, God. I'm resisting you. And sometimes we push him away and God's like, no, 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 I'm not done with you yet. You're not completed yet. I want to keep working. I'm the master artist. I'm the master designer. Let me keep working on you. And you were like, no, 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 we're okay. I'm good. Now, here's the irony. Oftentimes when people come to church for the first time, they come maybe because things happen and hit the fan in their life. Maybe... Maybe they got out of jail. Maybe they just broke an addiction. Maybe they're going through an addiction. Maybe they got a diagnosis. They got six months to live. Maybe they just found out they got cancer. Oftentimes there's people that come to church and the first time they come is because something happened in their life that makes them realize, I need God. So when people come, oftentimes they're like, okay, God, here I am. I showed up to church. Do whatever you want. I'm willing to be broken down. I'm willing to be humbled. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do, God. And oftentimes it's the new people to church that are submissive to God. You know what oftentimes is not submissive to God? People have been in church for a long time. They've been coming for years, perhaps decades. And oftentimes come to church, arms crossed. I've heard this before. I've heard that scripture before. I've heard that, uh, that, that message before. I've heard those verses before. No, I can't learn anything new. I've been in the church for 35 years. I know everything there is to know about God. I know everything there is to know about the scriptures. And oftentimes it's those people who are resistant because they feel like they've already arrived. They feel like there's nothing new to learn. There's nowhere to grow. And let me tell you, friends, that's the exact lie that the enemy wants you to believe. Because we're all a work in progress. No matter whether today's your first day or you've been here for 45 years, <laughs> we're all a work and progress. When you come to a church and you hear God's word, you can allow it to penetrate your heart. You can allow it to go into your, into your life and you can allow it to transform you from the inside out or you can try to resist that. But God doesn't start stuff. He doesn't finish. He wants to continue working on you if you allow him to. Here's what God says through the, through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 11. God said this. He said, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, 
And do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Friends, God, God's word does not come back void. If you allow God's word into your heart, whether you're new to the gospel or you've been a veteran for a long time, if you allow God to work on your heart, his word to penetrate your heart, it won't come back void. It will continue to tweak you, refine you, perfect you until the day that you are completed. And we're not yet completed until we meet Jesus face to face. So are you? Are you? Willing to be in his hands. Are you willing to continue to be crafted by the master crafter? Are you willing to be, continue to be designed by the master designer? Are you willing to allow him to continue to work in your life? Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, why would I, though? Like, why didn't God just make me perfect like Matt Mizell? <laughs> kidding. <laughs> why didn't God just make me perfect to begin with? Why does he want to keep working on me? And, and, and I have an answer for that. But before we dive into the answer, let me continue on. So far, we've talked about the past and the present from this verse. But look at the future because it answers the question I'm, I'm, I'm addressing. Ephesians 2.10. Again, coming back to that same verse. We are God's handiwork. That's present. Created in Christ Jesus. That's past. Here's the future. To do what? Good works. We've been created and prepared for a purpose. He's continuing to work on us if we allow him to, to do what? To do good works. Now, oftentimes people confuse this verse. They see this verse and they're like, oh, so I got to do good things in order to qualify for God's love. That's not, that's not what Paul said. They, they think, oh, well, I, I got I to gotta do good works in order to earn my salvation. That's also not what he said. In fact, there's entire religions that believe that the more good things that you do, you will earn and qualify for salvation. That's not the case. In fact, we've already talked about this. We've read a verse that's right before this. Let's go back and read it one more time. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 specifically talks about this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by what? Works. We can't earn our salvation so that nobody can boast. We can't earn eternity in heaven. We have a free gift that, that Jesus made possible based on, based on what he did on the cross. You and I didn't go to the cross. He did. It's not based on what you've done. It's not based on what I've done. It's based on what Jesus did. It's a gift of God. It's not based on your works or my works. And if that's the case, then perhaps that creates confusion for some people. Because if you're like, well, okay, if... if Doing good work doesn't qualify me for God's love and doesn't earn my way for salvation, then what's the point of doing good works? If we've been created and prepared for a purpose and God wants to continue working on us to do good works, what's the point of good works? Why are we doing that? Well, the brother of Jesus, his name is James, he wrote a book in the Bible. He said this, James 1.17. He said, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Here's why God wants you to do good works. If you do a good work for somebody else, it says in that scripture, every good thing comes from God. So if you decide to do something good, God is using you to bless that person. It came from God. God is using you to be a blessing. God is using you to impact people. God is using you to be a gift to people. God is using you to be a servant for people. That's what's so mind-boggling is that we have a perfect and holy God who's using messed up, jacked up people to do his perfect will. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God uses imperfect people to provide perfect gifts. 
He uses imperfect people like you and me to do his perfect will. Why does God want to continue working on you as he crafts you, as he designs you, as he tweaks you, as he modifies you, as he continues working on you as the master artist? It leads you to do more good works. And as you do good works, you're blessing people in God's name. God is doing that in and through you. So when God blesses you, you bless other people through you. When, when God is giving something to you, you're able to bless other people because God is doing that through you. You can be a blessing to God. That, this is why it's my challenge, friends, to you to, to realize you belong in the hands of the designer. You belong in God's hands because as you allow to yourself to be, continue to be tweaked and changed and refined and perfected until the day of completion, if you allow that, then God's going to do amazing things through you. God's going to impact people around you. And here's the crazy thing. When, when you do good works for other people and God is blessing them through you, those people who you're impacting all of a sudden feel like they belong. They belong in the big picture. They belong in the family of God. Because God is using imperfect people like me and you to reach out to them and bless them and serve them and be a gift to them. All good things come from God. God's using you to be a gift to other people. So here's my challenge, friends. My challenge is for you to trust God, to believe in God, to have faith in God, and perhaps most importantly, submit to God. Say, God, I'm willing to be used by you. Anything that is not of you, take it away. Chisel it away. I want, I want to be most impactive to your big picture. I'm a, I'm a character in the greatest story of all time. So God, use me however you would want to use me. I want to remain in your love. I want to remain in your heart. And I want to remain in your hands. And you can continue tweaking me and changing me however you want. Let's not be resistant to God working on our hearts and transforming us from the inside out. Trust God. Believe God. Submit to God. Because you believe or you belong in the hands of the master artist. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that you don't give up on us. You don't do stuff that's half-baked. You don't do stuff that's half done. You start stuff and you finish stuff. And God, thank you for the fact that you continue to have the desire to work on us and work on our hearts. Thanks for not just leaving us out to dry. God, I pray that, that every person here that's present right now at Pinion Hills, for the people that are watching the, the live stream right now, that God, that we would not be content with coming and just listening to the word, but not allowing it to penetrate our hearts. Because we know that when it reaches our heart, that your word, God, doesn't come back void. It transforms us from the inside out. It grows us from the inside out. So God, continue to have your will with us. And if there is anything that is not of you in our lives, convict us of that. Reveal that to us and help us continue to remain in your hands so that your will may be done in our lives. That this world would be a better place because we are allowing you to use us to bless other people. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen.